the kid who gave her the most problems and uh, yet turned out to uh, have made the biggest changes in life. And so I am super thankful that God's grace is sufficient. You know, I don't know about you, but um, I don't want to be in the status quo any longer. You know, somebody said that I'm ready to get back to normal. I don't know that I'm ready to get back to normal. I, 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 want, I don't want to get back to a status quo. I don't want to get back to the same old, same old. I don't want to go back to just nominal worship. I don't want to go back to just clapping my hands and walking out being the same person. I want to know that when I come into this place or when I come together and be a part of the body of Christ, that I have come with a purpose to be transformed by the, by the blood of Jesus, to be transformed by His presence, that where I go, that I bear the marks of Jesus Christ, that they, when others see me, they don't see the old Paul Dyer, but they see a new creature in Christ Jesus. I don't want to go back to the same. I want to be something different. I want to see something different. I'm ready to see the Spirit of God moving in this day, in this hour. I still believe that there's a great outpouring that God wants to do on this earth, in this community, and around the world. How many believe that this morning? Amen. 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 I don't know, you know, what would we do to get a better life? What would we do to uh, get something different? What would we do to protect ourselves or cause, uh, to keep from causing pain? I don't know, but the fact is, is that it's not some elixir that a salesman going around trying to sell you some liniment. How many have ever used a, an old liniment or something, right? I figure some people in this age group might have. I mean, I remember uh, Mama having a bottle of liniment under the uh, kitchen counter, and we had an, an issue or a sore or something. She'd break out the bottle, and that stuff smelled so strong. Uh, I don't think anybody would come around. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, you know, when you think about the word elixir, the old elixirs that salesmen that would go around trying to sell you something to make you well, some kind of natural agent to, uh, to make you well, the, the, the word elixir itself means underlying principle. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I believe that God wants us to have an elixir prayer, an underlying prayer that, that is founded and grounded in His presence and founded in Him and that he is the only way, that he's the only truth, he's the only life, and that we find hope in that power. We find hope in knowing that he is our Lord. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Chronicles chapter 4. Chronicles chapter 4. And we're going to start with verse uh, 9 and 10 in just a few moments. And, and many of you will know uh, and be aware of this passage it's the passage of the prayer of Jabez and when I think of Jabez I think that it is an absolute rock-solid God-filled substance that will that will keep us off of the status quo that we so often fall into and it will bring us into the presence of God it'll bring us into something deeper where you will not only receive but enjoy the fuller life God desires us to live you will you will ask not for what can I get for myself but what can I do for what can what can I get from that only God can give not what can what satisfy me temporary temporarily in this world and I believe that when we understand this prayer we will become acutely aware of the direction that God is moving that we will 
be aware of where God's taking us and what God wants to do in our lives. And we'll seek God's protection from evil and also from being a part of evil. You know, the, there was a little book. How many have read that little book, uh, The Prayer of Jabez? What a powerful uh, little book. I, I, it's something that I like to go back and read every once in a while to think. And, and, and Bruce Wilkinson, when he wrote that, he said, This petition has radically changed what I expect from God and what I experience every day with his power. You know, when I think about Jabez, a lot of times we, when we get into First Chronicles, we, we begin to um, read the list of names, you know. And, and, and for some of you genealogy buffs, that's so amazing, right? You can glean so much from the gene- genealogies. But for the normal reader of the Bible who gets to that you know, spot in First, uh, First Chronicles and, and following, it's, it's as if there's a, just a bunch of names that you can't pronounce. And so it's like, um, you know, every name's like a dot on the ceiling that you can just look over every, every once in a while, right? And you just kind of, you know, mumble the names as you walk through there. But if you move too fast through those names, you miss stories like this one, like the story of Jabez. I mean, I, mean, I get it because it, it starts off with, Adam and Seth and Enosh and then chapter 4 listing the descendants of Judah, Perez, Hezron and uh, Carmi and uh, Hur and Shobal and it goes on and, and, and finally we get to the story and right here in verse uh, 9 it says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez because, saying because I bore him in pain and verse 10 and Jabez called on the on the God of Israel saying oh that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain so God granted him his request you know when I look at this I, I, I just see a distinction in the name you know his mother called his name Jabez saying because I bore him in pain I, I don't know about you but um, I think of What's in a name? You know, the, the fact is, is that psychologically, when we are looking at naming our children, we have a purpose behind that. We, we think of what we expect or what we want them to be. Uh, a, a friend of ours just recently had a baby, and uh, she named the baby Selah Kate. Selah Kate. And, and her whole mindset is that this would be a praise to God, that, that she would be a praise to God. And that's so powerful to think. And, and how many other times do we name, you know, our children because of our expectation for them? You know, some of us name our children biblical names like Eli and Jaden. And, and then, we, uh, then we get to a place where we can't agree on a biblical name. And so we call them Wesley for John Wesley. And, uh, <laughs> and we have Anna. And, and so... Those were biblical names, and, and each one of them were birthed out of prayer, saying, God, what is it that you would have us name these children? What is it that uh, the expectation you have? Can you imagine your mother, you know, calling you painful? Huh? How would that feel to you, you know? Here comes painful. <laughs> my, my mom got on the um, phone with me yesterday and we were talking for a few minutes and somehow or another she accidentally pressed the um, FaceTime portion 
And I'm looking, you know, I'm talking to her on my phone. I hear, you know, this distinct ring of FaceTime. And I look down and I say, hey, there's my mama, you know. And she has her hair pulled back. You know, she's been working in the garden. And uh, I said, wow, my beautiful mom. She said, Lord, beauty's only skin deep. I said, yeah, they say ugliness runs to the bone. <laughs> but I told her, I said, you're not ugly, mom. I said, because the fact is, is it runs in the family, and we, we all look good. <laughs> of course, I didn't realize that her twin sister was sitting beside her, and she grabs the FaceTime thing and looks at me and says, yes, it does, sweetie. <laughs> So the fact is, is that we know we have specific things that we name our children, and, and, and names mean something to us. You know, I, I was reluctant because I didn't want to put my name on a, one of my kids. But, you know, the last one, Kim says, this is the last opportunity. <laughs> so, and so poor Jaden, he got stuck with my name as Jaden Paul. Um, just don't live like I did earlier, live like I did later, okay? But, you know, in biblical times, it was almost as if when they give a person a name, it was a prophetic statement over their life. It was, it was meaningful. It, it had more depth. When you think of uh, Jacob, Jacob meaning subplanter or deceiver, and, and, and you look at his life and how that developed, that he was a deceiver. He deceived many, and, and of course, as you know, God transformed him and called him Israel. There was Jeremiah which literally means God hurts or throws, and he was thrown as a prophet into the nation of, of self-righteous people. And then we think of even the name Jesus means God saves, and aren't you glad that God saves? And he became our Savior, our Lord. Thank God that he, through his de life, death, and resurrection that we have life. But to think that Jabez has this distinction of what his name means, to grieve or to be sorrowful, you know, his, for whatever reason, she chose to memorialize his name as he causes pain. You know, I don't know about why she did it. You know, when you look at somebody just texts me this past week and says, why is it Jabez spoken about any other place in the Bible? I don't know. I just know that there's a powerful presentation of two verses that gives us something dynamic. You know, maybe it was the fact that his older brothers... Uh, were the most painful ones. Maybe it was the fact that they were horrendous. And just the thought of having another child caused her pain. And so therefore she put that name on I don't know. I mean, I, I, maybe, you know, if, if my brothers were horrendous, <laughs> my brothers were bad news, so, uh, you know, my mama could have called me the same thing. Or maybe it was the fact that, you know, she had children, her husband had his love for her had waned. He had started looking other places. And uh, in the midst of, of her pain and in, in the relationship with him, uh, they had a passionate, intimate moment. And here's this child born out of a painful heart. I don't know. But the point is, is that she put on him a name that he causes pain. And I don't know the fact that, you know, sometimes we feel like we're overwhelmed by life, and, 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 and no matter what our name is, we call ourselves names. We look in the mirror, and we, we identify ourselves, and we put names on ourselves that, that are not true. 
How many understand that we, the Bible says cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God? Sometimes we put names on ourselves. We look in the mirror and say, you're so dumb or you're just an idiot. Why did you do this thing? You know, sometimes we look in the mirror and say, why, Lord, am I even alive? I just can't get anything right. There's so many people who walk around in life always downing themselves, always belittling themselves, always thinking so much less of themselves than God has put in them. How many understand that you are a creation of God? God, him, His fingerprints are all over you. He loves you enough that He forms you in your mother's womb. He is, you're the workmanship of His hands, but too many times we think the opposite about ourselves. So when you think of Jabez, you might think, well, you know, his life was going to be horrible because of this name that he bore. But you know, even in the sense that he bore this name, even in the sense that he had to carry around the badge of, of pain, he bore a distinct honor. Because of the very first verse that mentions him, that he was more honorable than his brothers. Powerful. Because, you know, when you think of the word honorable the word is the word kabod it is the same word that where we get our word glory so in other words even though he wore this badge of being uh, broken or being painful he was considered more honorable than his brothers that's powerful you know there's a negative sign to glory because it's a weight it can be burdensome but at the same time it's also the honor of being uh, abounding and more, being abundant and being great and walking in the glory of God. Being honorable speaks of the character, the responsibility, and the respect of the person. Jabez went from being a pain to being more honorable to walking in glory. His life takes a turn from the realm of glory as he abounds into greatness not made of his own. Sometimes I think that we, we often live in the past effects which determine the course of our life. We often allow the pains, the past, the brokenness, the, even the brokenness environments of others to, to overwhelm us and cause us to walk in, in the path that God has not called us to. It's commonly said that nothing can... Nothing can change the past. But when you look at the scripture, it paints a different picture. Just because this has happened to me, just because this is the past, doesn't mean it has to be uh, my forever future. Because when we truly repent to the Lord, we truly allow God to change our life as, as the offending one, or we truly forgive others as being the one offended, it transforms us into new creatures. It transforms the atmosphere and it allows us to walk a different path than we have set out for ourselves. How many understand that? So what, what made the difference in this man's life? What, what changed him? What transformed him? Well, I believe that, that what transformed him from that point of being characterized as causing pain to becoming a man who was remembered for more honorable than his brothers was another distinction. And that distinction was a, a distinct prayer that he prayed. And he prayed this prayer. Jabez prayed, God, bl bless me indeed. Come on now. Right? God, bless me indeed. Expand my territory. 
that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil. Another way to say that is, and to keep me from causing pain. And God granted his prayer. When I look at these things, the, the big distinction is the fact that he was truly trusting in God. It says that he called on the God of Israel. How many know that, that who you call on makes the difference, right? Too many times we go through situations or we go through trials and we'll pick up the phone and call everybody but God. We want everybody to know what we're going through, uh, yet all along God's saying, pick me, pick me, I'm here. And too often we're overlooking the fact that God is available. He wants to give us the all uh, infinite wisdom that he has to direct our path, but we've got to call everybody else before we get to God. Is that an amen and an old me at the same time, right? Yet here he was, what, what absolutely transformed was the fact that he called on God. He knew the one to call on. He knew the one that could make a difference in his life. And his prayer let loose God's will and power and blessing in his life. And it became the distinction that changed everything. He prayed the prayer. It says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now when I think of that, that you would bless me indeed, it literally is... is the word Barak, but it's wrote twice. In other words, it was a cry out. Not give me what I want, but give me in the manner that you would see fit for me to have. Oh God, bless me. It's as if a child is sitting down there and they've been bullied around and they've been called names and they've been, they've been kicked out. They were the last one picked on the team. They were, they've been always the runt, all that stuff. And it's as if he's sitting there and he's dwelling on the fact that, hey, listen, I am a painful person. I'm walking in pain. And he cries out, oh, God, bless me. It wasn't just this, Lord, if you might, would you please bless me? That written, stated two times was, was a, a declaration of a cry out to God. I don't know what situation you've been in. I don't know how, how, where you've been in your life, but there's been times I know that you have gotten down on your knees and you've cried out to God. You've wept tears because of the situations you're going through. Let me tell you something. When you get down and, and you get sincere with God, you will cry out, Oh God, it's not my will that this happened, but Lord, I pray your will be done. I pray you intervene. I pray you step in to my brokenness. I pray you step in to my child's life, that you transform them and you pray with all of your mind. He says, those who seek me shall find me when they search for me with all of their heart. We need to truly, sincerely call on the name of God and declare, Oh God, bless me indeed. Amen. He says, enlarge my territory or enlarge my border. You know, when I look at this, you know, I'm thinking this could be a selfish prayer. Oh, God, give me more stuff. But in reality, he's saying, God, take me to where you want me to be. God, expand my horizons. How many times do we pray with limited sight? How many times do we pray only with understanding our past limitations? And so we only, we put God in the box and say, God, you know, 
this is how I know you work. And so therefore, God, if you could just do this. And too often we, we miss out on miracles of God because God is a miracle-working God because we limit God. We pray only for God to do the limitations of which we put him in. And here Jabez is saying, Lord, expand my horizons. God, don't, I don't want to put you in a box. I don't want to put you in a place where I'm only believing you can do just so much. God, I want to know that I know that you're capable of doing the enormous, the impossible things. God, expand my horizons. God, uh, expand my territory. Let me have a greater understanding of who you are. Can you imagine when we get to a prayer and God begins to open our eyes to see the miraculous things that are around us that he's doing, how much more that would affect our daily life. Amen. Amen. Oh, God, bless me indeed. Oh, God, enlarge my vision, enlarge my territory. God, remove my limitations and help me to see more. He said that your hand would be with me. You know, Moses prayed a prayer and he said, God, I don't want to go where you're not going, right? God says, go here. He said, wait a minute, Lord. You can tell me to go, but I'm not going Unless you go with me. I remember little blind Bartimaeus who was sitting on the side of the road. And, and he heard that Jesus was coming by and he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, and the Lord stopped and, and looked. Everybody else was telling him, shut up, be quiet. He don't want to bother you. He don't want to be bothered by you. And Jesus, when he heard this cry, Son of David, have mercy on me. He knew that it was a cry of someone who understood that he was the king of glory, that he was the descendant of the king, and that he was the king of glory. And when that person, Bartimaeus, yelled out, Son of David, he stopped immediately. And when he touched blind Bartimaeus, he told him to go his way. But guess what blind Bartimaeus did? He followed him. And let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go where God's not leading me. I don't want to step into a decision that God is not already directing. He's not already in it. I don't want to do anything that God has not already ordained for it to be done. Because if I'm doing something and you're doing something that we might feel is a good thing. And it might be a good thing. But if God's not in it, it's just a good thing. I don't want a good thing. I want a God thing. I want to know that God is with me. I want to know that his hand is upon me. And I believe that is our prayer. God, have your hand on us. I don't, wanna, I don't want anything that's owned by me. I want to know that I am only powerful as he is powerful. Because without him, we're powerless. Amen. If you'll come up here, I'm going to play me some uh, Landon music. How have you enjoyed hearing her play this morning? Wasn't that so good? Amen. Amen. Glad your son is with you today, too. He, he looks good, too. It runs in the family, doesn't it? Amen. He said that, that would, you would keep me from evil or keep me from harm. You know, there's one thing that I have found in life. I don't, go, I don't do a good job keeping myself out of trouble. How many found that to be true in your life? This old 
tongue just gets me in all kinds of trouble. Saying things I shouldn't say, uh, attitudes that I shouldn't have. And so he prayed the prayer, God, that you would keep me from evil or keep me from harm. You know, to think about it, he's the only one that can keep us. His word says that he is able to keep that which is entrusted to him. So the way that I see this as he prayed is he was saying, God, I submit myself to you. And I'm asking you, as I give myself to you, God, that you would keep it, that you would guard it, that you would protect it, that you would keep it from harm. The Word of God tells us that He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. God, let my mind be focused on you. Let my mind stay in tune with your plan that you can keep me from all harm. And lastly, it says that that I might not cause pain or that I might not be pained. I don't know about you, but when I look at the Word of God, I recognize that it's impossible that offenses won't come my way. In other words, there's going to be times that I'm going to be offended. And, and the fact is, is that it might even be the very loved ones that I love the most that might bring us that pain. It, it happens in life. But my prayer is, as a part of this prayer, God, not only do you keep me from harm, but God, keep me from causing harm. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever be someone who causes someone else to stumble. I don't want to be, I don't want to ever be someone who causes someone else to not experience the love of God, to not experience the grace of God, to not experience what God has in store for each one of us. Maybe you remember in your growing up somebody who was dogmatic about something within the church that offended you, that, that caused you to question, do I really believe this? That caused me to question I don't know if I want to be a part of that because if that's what Christianity is all about, then I don't want to be that. Well, in saying that, I don't want to be that person. Y'all don't want to be that person, do you? I don't want to be that person that, that carries something and puts something on somebody else that God himself has not put. I don't want to cause pain. But I want to be a body of Christ that brings people in that disciples them that teaches them you know when a kindergartner comes in into a school setting Linda they don't put the algebra algebra book in front of them and say know this they don't give them a test of geometry and then punish them because they didn't know the geometry why why? They got to know it when they graduate. Because it's a process of learning. It's a process of growing. And so therefore, we as the body of Christ have to learn that we need to help people grow. That God's, I believe God's going to send us, when we, when we talk about revival, I believe God's going to send us folks 
who've never been disciplined, who've never been a disciple. They've, they've not grown up in the Word. They've not grown up in the truth. And when they come in, they might not look like us, act like us, smell like us, and all that good stuff. How will we respond? Maybe they were, maybe they were Jabez. Maybe they were broken. Maybe they were, they've been walking out what has been a declaration over their life. Maybe the prophetic word from a mother or a father or a teacher has been you're dumb, you're stupid, you'll never make anything of life. Why just give up? And they're looking for something fresh. They're looking for something new. And God's saying, here's an example that can change your life. And are we willing to be the disciples that, that leads them to something fresh? that leads them to something powerful, that shows them that God can transform their life. I believe that's what God's called us to. You know, for years, every night, I would go to my kids' bedroom, and I would sit on the bed beside them, and we would pray. And at the end of the prayer, this was my prayer to them oh that God would bless us oh that he would expand our territory God that you'd keep your hand upon us Lord keep us from harm and keep us from causing harm and then I'll go in and continue that prayer Lord bless the future spouse that you would send for my children and Lord let them be a blessed spouse to whoever God you now, you know, I would pray that with Anna. She says, Daddy, I'm not getting married. But I pray that, that we would truly be sincere. That we would truly allow this prayer to be a distinction of our life that changes us for His purpose and His glory. Amen. Father. Lord, today, maybe we have put some names on ourselves. Maybe in this season of quarantine, we've been depressed and struggling. God, maybe in this time, we've been frustrated with life, frustrated and aggravated. But I pray, Lord, that we will align our focus on you, Jesus. That will allow your words to truly be life and breath to us. God, that we would take this prayer and that we would pray, God, that you would bless us indeed. And I pray that blessing over everyone, that you would bless us indeed. God, that you would expand our territory, help us to see past the limitations that we often set for ourselves and we set for you. God, that you would keep your hand on us. God, we don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to do anything, God, that your hand is not upon. Lord, keep us from harm. You're the only one that can keep us, God. And Lord, keep us from causing harm. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.